Hey, will you stand with me? We are going to um, dive into Luke 1, verses 26 through 38 today. And so you can follow along as I read this. Um, You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, Also, the holy child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the Lord's bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we thank you for this word today. We ask that you would open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to it. Let it sink deeply into us. Let it find fertile soil where it can produce seed and fruit for your glory and for the benefit of others. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. You know, the other thing that's happened this week, you may have noticed, doesn't the stage look great? Caroline Becker's did all this, and, it, and the, only, the only flaw I find with it is I can't see Logan on the drums. So um, we've kind of lost that little bit of entertainment for the next three weeks. But, um, you know, I, I love Christmas time. I love decorations. I, I love the lights. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas movies. Anybody been watching Hallmark movies yet? Some of us started, like, back in October, right? You put it on the calendar. October 21st was the, the date that the Hallmark movie started this year. I knew it all year. I knew it was coming. Hey, did you guys see the one about the lady who lived in the city, but she had to go back to her small hometown on, kind of unexpectedly, and she connected with this guy wearing flannel, and, and um, everything. he was just everything she ever dreamed a man could be, and they started dating, then they had this odd misunderstanding, but fortunately it got resolved right before Christmas, and she stayed, and they lived happily ever after, and it was a Christmas miracle. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, I just spoiled every Hallmark movie, didn't I? Yeah, Hallmark movies are fun, but you know my favorite Christmas movie? Have you seen this one, uh, Christmas movie? A Christmas Story? Have you seen that? Best ever, right? Ralphie wants a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas with a compass in the stock and that thing that tells time and nobody thinks he should get it. And why shouldn't he get it? Because he'll shoot his eye out. Yep. 
I love that movie. And I'll tell you right now, if, if your kids haven't seen it, because it, it seems a little older now than, than it did some time ago, but if your kids haven't seen it, it makes a great family movie night for Christmas. It's fantastic. But do you guys remember the scene with the bully when they're going to school and, and uh, Randy fell on the ground and Ralphie says, my brother laid there like a slug. It was only defense. Um, and you remember the, the bully's name? Nobody? Scott? Farkas. You remember his crummy little toady, Dover, uh, Grover Dill? And so Scott's terrorizing all the boys on the way to school and making sure they know that he's the boss. And he goes up to Flick. Remember Flick stuck his tongue to the flagpole and got stuck. And Flick, he, he tells Flick to come here and Flick comes over there and he puts his arm behind his back and he goes, uncle, 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 uncle. And then Scott gives it a twist. And now all of a sudden Flick's screaming, uncle, uncle. Isn't that the kind of view that we tend to have of submission? Submission is about being overpowered. I'll submit, I'll give in, once I know you have power and control over me. And that's what all that was about. Scott's bullying these kids because he wants them to know that he has power and control. And it wasn't any good to him that Flick submitted before he even touched him. It wasn't about Flick giving in. It was about Flick knowing who was in control. You know what? That's how the world views submission. That's how we look at it. The world views submission as a passive act. It's something that just happens to me because somebody has more power. They have more control. And, and it's born out of defeat. And it's born out of fear. And it's born out of being conquered. We think that submission is a result of all those things. And guess what? We don't like that idea. We just don't like it. Who likes to be the one that's overpowered, that's conquered? We want to exert our will. We want to have power. We want to press our rights out in the world. We want to have our way. We want to make sure that nobody else takes advantage of us. And because of this, we view submission as something negative. We take that concept of submission from the world and we drop it into to Scripture and we drop it into our view of God and we drop it into what it means to submit to God. And so now all of a sudden, it's a product of weakness. So when we do actually submit in a biblical sense to God and to one another, it's scandalous. Because people look at us and go, why would you submit to anything? That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand up for your rights. You're supposed to press for your power forward. You're supposed to make sure everybody knows you're the boss. Because the world says never give in. But scripture in James 4 tells us, submit yourselves therefore to God. It's scandalous in our culture to submit to anything, even God. And the truth is that biblical submission is actually freeing. (laughs) It doesn't enslave us, it frees us. The truth is a scandal to the world because our concept of submission is so rooted in being overconquered that we can't see any way that there would be freedom in it. And so how can submission, how can giving in free you? I wanna show you how that works from these verses in Luke 1 today where the angel comes to Mary and says, this is what's gonna happen. Are you willing to let God do this? Because in that is a picture of submission that actually brings freedom. The thing is, it has to be true biblical submission. It can't be a worldly concept of submission. And so the scandal for us is that we set biblical submission 
out in front of us and we collide with the world's idea of submission and so we fight back. And so this section of the birth story of Jesus is, is often called the Annunciation and that's because Gabriel is announcing to Mary that she will give birth to our Savior, Jesus. And I hope to help you see a few things about true biblical submission today. Number one is that it's active. It's not passive. Number two is that it's free. And the third thing that I want you to see from biblical submission today is unlike the world's idea of submission, it's actually safe. It's safe to submit to God. So the first thing is biblical submission is active. To truly understand what biblical submission is, we have to look at Mary's response to Gabriel. So in Luke 1, 38, it says this, and Mary said, behold the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. Now that word bondservant, I hope you remember this word. You remember the word doulos from a few weeks ago when we were in 2 Peter? It means one who gives themselves fully to another service. More broadly, it, it, it actually means all those who obey God's commandments, his true worshipers. Well, that's the word Mary uses here. She uses the feminine for, form of that word doulos that Peter used. It's a word of submission. It's a word of submission that Jesus uses in reference to himself, that Paul uses, that James uses, that Peter uses, that others in scripture use constantly and frequently to describe their submitted state before God. And it's conveyed by Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but yours be done. Mary is saying to God in her room what Jesus said to God in the garden. Not my will, but yours be done. And so now we gotta go back and revisit Scott Farkas and, and Flick for just a moment. See, Flick was submitting to Scott's power because he was fearful. He submitted to Scott's power before Scott even touched him. But that wasn't enough for Scott. He wanted to make Flick submit. That's the world's view of submission. I'll submit when you make me submit, but if you can't make me submit, I won't submit. It's not about submitting as much as it is about being conquered by someone. That's how we tend to view submission. I think a lot of times we view submission to God in that very same way. I submit because he's all powerful. He's greater than I am. He's stronger than I am. He can destroy me, so I have to submit. That's not biblical submission. God didn't show up and say, submit to me or I'll crush you. We have to recognize that Mary possessed the power in this moment. When the angel came to her and said, you will bear a son, Mary had the power. And you know what the power she possessed was? It's the same power we possess. It's the power of no. We have the power to say to God, no. That's the same power she had. But her submission, her doula attitude is rooted in her, yes, it is. But it's more rooted in her power to say no. To say yes when I can't say no is not submission. <laughs> but to say yes when I can say no is the biblical model of submission. And so submission in the biblical sense isn't simply a yes, but it's a yes from a willing heart that's longing for the same things that God is longing for. Willing the same things that God is willing. And that's why biblical submission is active. 
It's an active yes, a willful and purposeful yes that actually counts the cost of saying yes. Instead of simply saying, I can't say no, so I'll say yes. Look at me, God, I've submitted. God never takes away the power of no that we possess when he invites us to submit to him. Because without the power of no, there is no submission. Mary in this moment is actually living out what Paul talks about in Philippians 3. Listen to this. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing, catch this, surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Now here's the thing. The word that Paul uses for rubbish here is the Greek word skubalon. And it's a very colorful euphemism for manure. That in our modern English can only be translated by a word that it is unfit for good Baptists to say in public. The closest word in English to that word skubalon starts with an S and it rhymes with the things that kids put on their hands to keep them warm in the wintertime. Paul is saying that everything that gives him power, authority, and prestige is now just stuff to him. Less than stuff. He lays it down. It's not taken from him. God didn't come and take all these things from him and say, give me your power, your authority, your prestige, your image. I'm taking it away. Listen to what Paul says here. I, I have counted it loss. I. He's actively submitting to God. He's telling us that's how we live before God. He's the one that says, nope, I'm not going to use my power. I'm going to submit. I still have it, but I'm going to put it aside. Even more so, I'm going to count everything that I've achieved with my power as scubalon. And why is he willing to lay it all down? It's pretty simple. Go back to Philippians 3. For the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul's willing to lay it down because he has figured out that to know Christ is greater than anything else he can get with his power. He's submitting in a biblical sense because he's counted the cost of leaving these things behind or hanging on to these things and he found that in counting the cost that to leave them behind is greater gain than to hang on to them. Simply put, that's kind of what it means to be born again. To look at our lives, to look at our world and go, I'm going to count the cost of what it would cost me to hang on to what I already have through myself. And I'm going to lay that next to the value of knowing Christ. And when I find in knowing Christ that everything there is so much greater than the value of the things I have, I'm going to willingly lay them down. Just basically saying I've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is continuously helping me see the value of knowing Jesus more and more. Makes it logical to submit at that point. But it also means it's active. I have to choose it. So biblical submission isn't a passive product of defeat. It's an active choice. We have to say, I still have the power to say no to you, God, but I will say yes. 
And we see that idea fleshed out in Scripture in the familiar story of the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15, 11 through 32. This afternoon when you go home, read that. But listen to this. The younger son comes to his father and says, give me all, your, all the money that's going to be due me. I'm taking off. And he ran off. But at the end of the story, he's the one that actually practices biblical submission. He's the one that comes to the conclusion that the cost of doing this on his own is far greater than the value of knowing his father. So he submits. Remember what he said there? I'm going to go back to my father and say, just treat me like one of your slaves. Treat me like a hired hand. Just let me be one of those people. Remember the father's response? Nope, you're my son. You're my son. I can't treat you like that. Come into the house. Let's have a party. Let's kill the fattened calf. Let's get all together. Now, we have the other model of submission that's of, of being overpowered and submitting in the older son. Remember the older son? He's bitter and resentful. And that's exactly what happens when your submission is passive to God. When you submit to God passively, you will become bitter and resentful towards him. The older son goes to his father and says, wait a minute. Why are you giving all this to him? You never gave me anything. I've been here all this time. I've been doing whatever you said. But guess what? He's been doing it from a heart that wasn't willing and longing the father's will. The way Mary's heart was in Luke 1. The way Jesus' heart was in the garden the way Paul's heart was, the way Peter's heart was, hopefully the way our hearts are. And that's what happens when you submit passively instead of actively. When you view submission as Scott Park is twisting your arm behind your back, making you scream uncle, you're just going to end up bitter and resentful towards God. There's no way around it. But when you view submission as an active thing that I choose, the way Mary chose it, then it actually is freeing. older brother didn't have that. The older brother had a sense of entitlement. I know the father. He should give me what I want. I think times all of us in church have that sense of entitlement. I know God. He should give me what I want. And so here's a question I have for you, particularly for those of us who have been in the church a while. Is your submission to God active or passive? Have you actively submitted to God or are you passively submitting to God? Are you here because you found out that everything in your life that you can get is scuble on compared to knowing Jesus? Is that why you're here? Are you actively, daily submitting to God with an intentional yes, still having the power to say no? Or are you here because you're passively submitting to God? Are you here because you found some comfort and some predictability, and it actually serves you well. It's a question to wrestle with this week. Are you submitting to God because you're actively choosing it? Not using the no that you have the power to use? Or are you passively here just because it's the way it is? This is what my family's always done, and this is where we've been, and this is how it works. So that's why we need to understand submission is active. Mary had the power of no in her yes, which means she made an active choice. Now, the next thing we need to understand about biblical submission is it's freeing. In his book, Spirit of, Spirit of Discipline, um, which I want to highly recommend this book to you. If you don't have it, um, maybe pick it up. Or maybe even better yet, make this your Red Rider BB gun this Christmas and just keep talking about it till you drive everybody around you so crazy they got no choice but to buy it for you. 
Um, But anyway, in his book, Richard Foster, the author of Spirit of Discipline, writes this. What freedom corresponds to submission? It is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. The obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go is one of the greatest bondages in human society. All of us are imprisoned by our demand that things go the way we want. When we feel that, when we say it has to be this way for me, we need to recognize that we're not actively submitting. We might be passively submitting, but we're not actively submitting. And so listen to what Gabriel tells Mary in verse 34. For that reason also, the holy child will be called the Son of God. Now, the title of the Son of God was a prophetic title of the Messiah. Every Jew who ever heard the the title Son of God knew that what the person speaking to them was talking about was the Messiah who was going to come to Israel. And I believe that Mary was well aware that Gabriel was telling her she was going to give birth to the Messiah. I think she was well aware of that. I also believe that she would have been well aware of Isaiah 53. That she would have known what that meant for her son. Listen to some of the descriptions of the son of God, of Jesus in Isaiah 53. A man of great pain, despised, not regarded, afflicted, struck down, pierced, crushed, wounded, oppressed, assigned a grave with the wicked, among other things. Now here's what I want you to do, those of us who are parents. I want you to imagine as a parent, you go to an ultrasound. First ultrasound. And the text says, congratulations, it's a boy. And then says all those things to you that Isaiah 53 said to Mary about your son. Describes your son with those words. Despised, afflicted, pierced, assigned a grave with the wicked. Says that about your child. So here's what you need to understand about the freedom that comes with submission. The freedom that comes with submission is not freedom from pain. But it's freedom from self. Now I don't know if you figured this out yet. I figured it out probably because I've, I've driven my proverbial car of life into many walls. But I figured out that the greatest source of my pain in my world is me. I am my pain. <laughs> When I demand that things go the way I want, I cause myself pain. When I say I want to steer it, I cause myself pain. When I say I get to pick the outcomes, I cause myself pain. That's what Mary was invited to. The knowledge that her son at some point was going to suffer horrifically in her presence. And I wonder sometimes if maybe she didn't lie in her bed at night praying, Lord, take me first. Just take me first. No parent wants to lose a child. We just lost my oldest sister this week. My heart's breaking for my mother. I talked to her earlier in the week. I asked her, just how are you doing, Mom? And she said, you know, I guess I just lived too long. I don't want to bury a child. That's what Mary was invited into. That was in her mind with her yes. Listen to Jesus' words in Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself 
Take up his cross daily and follow me. Mary was living that out in this moment. She was denying herself, knowing that this was the the life that her son was going to be born into. And she said yes. Now here's the thing. Denial of self is also scandalous. The last thing in our culture we're invited to deny is us. I'm invited to deny all of you if you get in my way. I'm invited to deny the government if they tell me to wear a mask. I'm invited to deny anyone who's on the road in front of me when I got somewhere to be. But this flips the culture on its ear. This is Jesus saying, no, 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 no. You don't deny anybody else. You deny you. And here's what we have to understand about self-denial. Self-denial is not self-loathing. You are not denying yourself by hating yourself. As a matter of fact, if you hate yourself, if you're in a place of self-loathing, let's talk. Let's resolve that. Because here's the problem. You cannot, as someone who's in self-loathing, ever live out the greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Because I gotta be honest with you. If you hate you, I don't want you to love me the way you love you. So God's not inviting us to say, you're nothing and everybody else is something. He's inviting us to say, you are something to me and live that something out in the presence of others. That's what self-denial is. It's not self-loathing. Self-denial is the spirit-given fruit of healthy biblical submission. And so the freedom of biblical submission is freedom from seeking my own self-interest, which is exactly what Jesus said we had to do to be his followers. And here's what it results in. It results in a cross life. Jesus had a cross death, yes. But sometimes I think we forget that he lived a cross life before he got to a cross death. He lived a life of self-denial, taking up his cross daily, not just on the last day of his life. And here's what true submission says. It says, I have worth as a person from God, and I'm going to give it back to him. It doesn't say I have no worth, so I might as well find some worth in God. It says I have worth. I have it. It's already mine. That's the power of the no. I'm going to give that worth back to God. That's the cross life that Jesus lived out. That's the cross life he invites all of us into. Not a life of you're worthless, let us all take advantage of you, but a life of you have tremendous worth, now give it back. That's a critical point in biblical submission. We have to understand that. And then finally, I need you to understand one more thing. Biblical submission is safe. Flick didn't feel real safe when Scott had his arm twisted up and his palm on the back of his head. He didn't feel safe. But biblical submission is safe. Actually, it's the only safe place. It is the only place where we as human beings can live safely. Biblical submission glorifies God first, yes, but it also protects his people and it builds his church. It makes no person a slave or second-class citizen. The idea of a doulos, or in Mary's case, a doule, is not that she's now a slave under the oppression of another, but a willing slave, a willing servant, who says, your interests are my interests because I know that your interests are in my best interest. And that's what submission brings. Our submission to Christ as Lord is safe because he first submitted in becoming a servant. Listen to this, Philippians 2. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant, the word doulos. 
Jesus himself uses that word to describe himself. And being born in the likeness of men. There's only one way to be completely safe for a human being. And that is to submit to God. Because there's only one place where we are completely safe as human beings. And that is in God. Listen to Paul in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, everybody knows the rest of that, right? Who is against us? Do you see what Paul's saying? You submit and you reside in God. That's the safest place in the world. No one can touch you there. No one can destroy you there. Does that mean that life is easy and everything's great? No, it means that life is eternal. And we start to live that eternal life now that keeps me safe from all the trappings and tragedies and hardships and difficulties and destruction of this world. Does that mean I won't experience them? No, it means they won't destroy me. They can't destroy me. Listen to this in Psalm 91, verses one and two. One who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will lodge in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That is a picture of what happens when we willingly submit, actively submit. That's the freedom we come to. That's the safety we find. All of this is what makes biblical submission safe. It's safe to submit to God. It's safe to submit to each other when we're submitted to God. That's the building of the church. That's evangelism. That's helping, that's loving, that's caring. The greatest task we have is to submit to God. Not to drag people into this building or to make sure that we give away a bunch of hampers at, at Christmas time, but to submit to God. Because guess what happens? When I submit to God, my invitation is safe to others. My giving is safe to others. Our disagreements are safe. When we submit to God, we're safe. We're safe in God. We're safe in each other's presence. And so now what do we do with all this? What, what, what are we supposed to do? What am I telling you? Why am I telling you all this? Well, in my mind, to live a life of biblical submission to God and to others starts with a mindset more than it starts with an action. Mary had a mindset. Jesus had a mindset. Paul had a mindset. That's why Romans 12 tells us if we're gonna be transformed, it's gonna start by renewing our minds, not changing our behavior. And here's the mindset that I would love to see all of us embrace to move towards submission. One simple thing. There's nothing more simple than, than changing our minds about something. But here's the thing that you have to change your mind with. It's simple, but it's complicated. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it's simply this, abandon the outcomes to God. Whatever it is I do, whatever it is I'm seeking, I want to approach that with the mentality that God, this outcome is yours. You make it what you will. And it frees us from so much junk. It frees us from this need to create something. It frees us from doing what Paul said not to do and hang on to our stuff and saying, this is valuable, I need it, God. When we abandon the outcomes to God, we can focus on the efforts and allow him to do what it is he will do. 
And so submission in its simplest terms comes back to this. Behold the Lord's bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. That's submission. It's an attitude. It's a heart set. It's a mindset of you do with me, God, what you will. And what comes out will come out. But I will not minimize my efforts. My efforts will be all in on everything you call me to do. But you'll do with it what you want. So when we start holding out for what we want, maybe the thing to do is go, I'm going to abandon this outcome to God. When we think, God, you should do it this way or it should end up this way, maybe what we need to say is, no, I'm going to abandon it to you, God. When we decide how he should work in our lives or in the lives of others, maybe we just say, no, God, I'm going to abandon it to you. When we're submitting to our desires but not to him, the path back is to say, no, I'm going to abandon it to you. Biblical submission always says, whatever you will is what I want. Whatever it is you will, God, that's what I want. But what if what he wills is not what I want? I need to change what I want. Because if I get what I want, I won't be safe anymore. If I get what I want, I'm going to put myself in a position to be hurt. If he gets what he wants, I'm safe. And so as we learn to abandon the outcomes to God, we realize that just the effort's mine, not the outcome. He didn't call me to to build anything, to resolve anything. Even to Peter, when he looked at Peter and said, you are Peter, and on this rock, what? I will build my church, not you will build my church. When we decide we're the ones that have to build something for Christ, we're not safe anymore. And think of all the Christians in the world that have decided we have to build something for Jesus and they've become obnoxious. They couldn't invite a starving man to a feast because nobody wants to be in their presence because they're trying to build something for themselves. When we abandon the outcomes, we simply say, God, I will do what you've called me to do and you will do with what I do what you will do. That's a twisted up sentence, isn't it? I think the Holy Spirit can do something with it. Biblical submission is scandalous because it's an active choice, not a passive one. We view submission in our culture as passive. When you're beaten down, then you submit. But that's not biblical submission. Biblical submission is I still have my no, but I'm going to say yes. It's freeing. We're becoming free from the tyranny of self. The freedom that comes with biblical submission is it's no longer mine, it's God's. So I don't have to cater to me anymore. It's safe because in God is the only safe place for any human being to live. And so biblical submission is active. It's freeing. It's safe. I just want to ask you to take this week as you're kind of going about your life and just ponder the idea of submission. What does it really look like? Consider what it would look like for you to actively submit to God more deeply. What would that look like in your life? I'm not going to stand here and tell you, go out and submit to God and everything and never have another problem because that's not going to happen. I don't think. Based on my own experiences, I don't think it works that way. I think you're going to be like me and probably have moments throughout your day where you're submitted and you're not, where what you want becomes this glittering vice that draws you 
And then other moments where you go, oh, I just want to be in God's will. So just consider it. Think about it. What would it look like for you to actively submit to God more deeply? Think about how submission could bring greater freedom from self into your life. Just contemplate that this week. What would, it, what would my life look like if I found a way to submit to God more deeply, more freely, more frequently, more intensely? Let's contemplate the fact that true biblical submission is actually mutual. It's not God coming up and saying, you must submit to me. God has submitted himself in Christ to all of humanity first before he came to us and said, submit. And that's the model we need to seek with each other. The act of becoming a baby in a manger is an act of submission to God, of God, to humanity itself. Think about that. Jesus, God, in the flesh, his first act was to say, I will be parented. Anybody ever been parented? We all know what that looks like from a submission standpoint, right? Maybe it's better to say it this way. Anybody a parent? We know how bad we seek submission as parents. And yet God himself said, I'm gonna submit myself to human authority. So submission is mutual and it's safe because God did it first. And he invites us into something he's already done. He's not like most of us as parents where we go do as I say, not as I do. He's already done it. And so here's what we're gonna do now. We're actually gonna practice the discipline of submission together right now in the form of communion. Listen to this from John 13, verses one and four, as you take the, the communion elements out and prepare. Now, before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him and that he had come forth from the Father and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid his outer garments aside, and he took a towel and tied it around himself. We're called to celebrate communion regularly in the remembrance of Jesus, in remembrance of what he did in his death on the cross to pay for our sins, but also what he did in living a cross life of submission to God and to humanity. This, this reading from John 13 is a picture of biblical submission. This reading tells us what makes it possible Here's what Jesus knew that allowed him to submit to even his betrayer. He knew that all things had been handed over to him. He knew that he came from the Father. He knew he was going back to the Father. Therefore, he could actually submit himself even to his betrayer by washing his feet. Judas was in that room. Jesus washed his feet. Moments before he ran out, and grabbed soldiers and said, put him to death. That's the picture of biblical submission. I know from the world's standards, that's kind of scandalous. It's not very invitational. 
But that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, in submission to the Father, and for the sake of all humanity, washed the feet of his betrayer. Now as we picture that table in our heads, as we begin to gather around this metaphoric table and take communion together, I don't want you to picture yourself as John leaning on Jesus' chest. I don't want you to picture yourself as Peter sitting, looking around, trying to figure out who's the one in here so he can do something about it. I want you to picture yourself as Judas. I want you to picture Jesus at your feet, knowing you've betrayed him, knowing you've denied him, knowing you've sinned against him, knowing you've walked away from him. And he takes that towel, and he removes your sandals, and he picks up your nasty, dusty, dirty, callous, smelly feet and washes them. That's submission. That's what we're called to do.